you are by yourself, uh, you say the things that you really want to say to God. And, and sometimes they're as ridiculous as some of these things. And, and sometimes when something terrible is going on and, and you stand before God, it doesn't sound at all like it does when you're in front of people where you say, Dear God, I just pray that good things in you. And, and it's very formulaic and, and methodical. But, but when something terrible is happening and you really believe that God can fix the problem, that's when our prayers, I think, really become really real. And, and we stand before God and we pray and we say, God, this thing that's happening really sucks. And I know that you know how to fix it. And I know that you can. And so, God, I just pray that you would. And, man, to me, I think God takes so much joy in those prayers because it's when we say what we really mean. And so as we jump in and talk about prayer, I just want to talk about some of these things in prayer that, that, we, that we blurt out and that we say that are so important and that we really mean. Before we jump into that, I want to talk about the one of those things that I love the most. It's the kid who just wants to know if God can cut loose and dance a little. That, that makes me laugh. I think God is probably like, hey, kid, I invented dancing. Seriously, I invented dancing. You know, I think it's pretty funny. Um, as I think about that one, it's kind of funny to me. I think about Molly this week. Uh, this week, somebody, um, I don't know exactly the format, but somebody asked Molly um, if she could change anything in the world, what would she change? And so this wasn't exactly a prayer, but I think if, if she were going to pray something like this would be it. So they ask her what she would change, and she says that mommies don't have to go to work. That's pretty good, right? That mommies don't have to go to work. I, I think it's notable that she didn't pray that she doesn't care that daddy goes to work, just that mommy doesn't go to work. So I feel like that was kind of sexist. But um, Man, as we've been talking about prayer um, uh, a lot more than we usually do, what I really want to do today is just to zero in and tell you about the, the greatest thing that prayer can accomplish. Tell you about the absolute greatest thing that can happen when you lift up prayer. And, and, and I'm saying that to say that we haven't really talked about this part of prayer yet. And so it must be pretty incredible because we talked about prayer that when you pray can actually change situations and move things. And we see these examples in Scripture where people pray and God actually changes real physical things in their lives. And if we've already talked about the idea that you can come before God and say, God, my job stinks and, and I... You know, I don't get time with my family, and I want to be a, a leader in my family, and, and, and my job stinks. And so, I, you know, Bible studies on Thursday and churches on Sunday, and I really want to be a part of those things, but I can't because I'm just working all the time. And God, I, I just feel like you have more for me than working this job all the time, and that's all. And so, God, I just pray for some sort of a change there. And God hears the prayers of his people, and, and he comes in, and, 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 and a new opportunity is created for you. And that's pretty incredible that you can pray and, and God would really, really change your situation. And so the, that's incredible. So the greatest... So that doesn't come as much a surprise to me. But then what if I told you that no one can... That's probably not much of a surprise either. No group can, no elected official can, no country can. Under no circumstances can that happen. Even if the craziest thing ever happened, even if, if, if the president 
um, just did the best job over these four years. I mean, he just did everything right. And all the people that didn't vote for him the first go-around said he did such a great job. See how crazy this sounds? He did such a great job, I'm voting for him the second go-around. And man, it was just phenomenal these past four years. And he did so great that all those other countries, China and Russia, said, man, America has got it going on so well, we think we're just going to join America. We're just going to drop our government and we're just going to jump in to everything that they do. And I picture us all just jumping around and singing like on the movie Trolls when they're singing and they're flipping their hair. You guys seen the movie? Let's be united. I don't know the real words, but anyway. Um, uh, Even if all that could really happen, we could just be incredibly united. And we could get the thing that every Miss America has ever wanted, you know, world peace. And we could get all of that stuff, even that, could not save the world. Because the reality is, if all that happened, you would still die. And as you came close to the end of your life, if you lived a normal lifespan, you'd begin to suffer and your body would begin to break down. And all of that kind of stuff would happen. Planes would crash. Boats would sink. Tornadoes would hit, hurricanes would hit, people would be hungry. Man, even if you could get everybody to get along, you still couldn't save the world. There are still so many things outside of your control. There is absolutely nothing that any of us could do, even if we did everything right to save the world. But here is the greatest thing that prayer can do. Prayer holds the power to save the world. And the thing that you cannot do, and I cannot do, and we can absolutely cannot get together if we did everything right, prayer can do that. And I don't mean prayer can save the world in this real pie-in-the-sky kind of way where, like, we say, if you wish on a star, first you have to catch the star while it's shooting, and if you happen to get that lucky, then you can wish on the star, but you better hope nobody hears you because then if somebody hears you, then it's not coming true either, and you've got to get so many things correct I mean, in a real accessible way that can begin today, prayer can save the world. Okay, how on earth does that happen? I'm glad you asked that. I'm going to preach about that today. How about that? Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 is where we kind of begin to see how this works out. Um, This is a letter that Paul wrote while he was in prison. If you were in small group this past week, we talked about uh, prison epistles, or the week before. And and so we we see that Paul is, is sitting in prison, and he's writing this letter. First of all, he's in prison, not because he did this, committed this terrible crime, but he just dared to, to stand out in the public square and begin to preach. And so as he started talking about Jesus, people weren't a big fan of that, and so they put him in jail. So here Paul is, and he's in jail, and he's writing this letter. This, this is a letter to the church at Ephesus. These people at Ephesus are having all kinds of problems. Tell me if this sounds familiar at all. One of their big problems is a lot of people are coming into their church or into churches in their city and they're pretending to be pastors and, and they're saying all kind of crazy stuff and they're leading people to do all kind of crazy things. And that's one of the biggest problems with the churches in this city. Does that sound kind of familiar? 
Yeah, so some things are, are just not new at all. But this is all going on in the church at Ephesus. These, these pastors saying crazy things and, and leading people to do things that are, that are totally non-scriptural. And, and if that's not enough, then the church at Ephesus has all these kind of problems from the outside. Namely, if you start talking about your faith too much, they put you in prison. So they got all kind of problems out there. As I was reading about all these problems, you know, I started singing that, that monk theme song. It's a jungle out there. Anybody? Anyway. So anyway, I just, uh, I'm totally non-related. Um, Paul, Paul just wrote this huge letter to the church at Ephesus, you know, about how you can live in, you know, the jungle out there, right? And so he comes near the end of this letter and he's teaching these just trying to tell these people how to make it through with all the stuff that's going on around you and how to address all these things comes near to the end. In Ephesians 6.18, he says this. He says, and pray. So he says, you've done all that and also do this. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Man, if I think about my prayer life, it is not this. (laughs) Pray on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. Then he says, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And then he says, verse 19, he says, also pray for me, that whenever I speak, that words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, right, because he's in jail. He says, pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So he's like, hey, pray for me because I was talking about Jesus and they put me in jail. And so I'm having a tough time finding the boldness to continue to speak. So pray for me that I would continue to do that. Let me pray. God, we thank you for your word. And and we thank you that it reveals truth to us that is just so foundational and is just and, and is so powerful and has the power to change our lives and to change the world. And so, God, we, we just thank you for that truth. God, I pray that as we kind of walk through this, that um, that all the, the million other things that are swirling around in our mind, God, that you would just begin to quiet that and we might hear what you have to say. Amen. So before we get into how prayer can change the world, I just want to look at that very first thing that Paul says. And, and he says, pray always about everything. Pray always about everything. Ask yourself this question. So ask yourself this question. And then pause for a minute and answer yourself. Nobody will think you're crazy because we're all doing it. Uh, Do you pray always about everything? You pray always about everything. I don't think this is talking about, God, do I brush my teeth today or not? Go ahead and brush your teeth. That is God's will, right? Um, but not not that kind of thing. But do you pray when when you are when your kids are getting on your nerves and you're gonna not look very much like Jesus in your response? Do you stop and say, God, this is not the way I want to lead my family. Can you just help me to do this differently? Do you pray always about those kind of things? Do you say, you know, um, I want this new car, but my car works fine. But gosh, I just want it. And it's really more than I can afford. Gosh, I just want it, and I'm just going to go get it. Um, may not be a wise decision. May stress me out. May mean that I have to work more than I really need to. But gosh, I'm just going to get it. Do you stop in that moment and say, God, is this wise? Is this what you want me to do? And are you praying always about everything? Uh, I, I can definitely not say yes to that. And man, but when he talks about prayer, Paul constantly says, pray all the time. 
Pray always. Pray about everything. Now ask yourself this question. Do you pray almost never? Do you pray over very little? Paul says pray always and pray about everything. I would venture to say that if you pray never or you pray hardly never, that that whether you just think, well, I just don't think about it, it just doesn't come into my mind, I would venture to say that whether you believe it or not, here's why I think you do that. Here's why I think you don't pray that much. Um, In this issue of of World Magazine, there's this guy, his name's David Bryant. He was a missionary. He had this uh, social worker come to live with he and his wife. She was a Hindu social worker. She comes to live with he and his wife. And, um, and so she's, she's living there for a short period of time. They're going to go have dinner at somebody's house, and it's another missionary. And on their way over there, the Hindu social worker begins to talk to them about sort of about her faith and all that kind of thing. And she begins to tell them about all the merits of, of her faith. And, and she pulls out this picture of a guru who had died about 45 years before. And she says, um, this, is, this is who we pray to, this guy right here. My family, we pray to this guy and we worship him and he is, he's the one for us. And, and David Bryant, he kind of blurts out and, and he's like, you know, not very wisely, but it just comes to his mind and he says, but he's dead. Like, why do you pray to this guy? He's dead. And, and she says, oh, no, absolutely not. She totally disagrees with him. And, and she begins to tell him how um, they have been so blessed by praying to him. And so many good things have happened to their family because they prayed to this guy. Uh, they get to they get to this house that they're going to have dinner at it. And David's kind of hoping that his friend, the missionary, is going to just kind of set this example and speak some truth. And they get there, and, and the woman starts looking around, and they have a really nice house. And, and she starts saying, you know, this is such a nice place. And she's talking to him about, about everything about it. And, and he says, yeah, this is a great home that we have to live in. And, uh, and we really prayed that God would provide this home, and then he did. And so we spent way more on it than we probably should have, but God provided and he has blessed us well. And the thing about it is, when we look at the way God answers prayer, sometimes it seems like you can pray or you can not pray and you may end up with a nice house. And you can pray or you can not pray and you may get a nice car. And you can pray or you can not pray and your kids will be wayward or they won't. And, and what it seems like is, is in the lives of these two people, not that much is that incredibly different. And you got one that's praying to the holy God and one that is praying to someone who's dead. But, but it seems like much has happened that's very much the same. And I would venture to say that if you don't pray that much, that you don't pray that much because what you've seen in your life is it doesn't make a huge difference. And as you've prayed, you've, you've said, it doesn't seem like anything happened that wouldn't have happened otherwise. And so it just kind of meant that you don't need to pray all that much because what difference does it make? This, this was so, spoke so much truth to me. John Piper says this about ineffective prayer. He says, all around you is a spiritual battle. All around you is this big spiritual battle going on, and you sort of have this wartime walkie-talkie, and it's a, it's a direct line to the general, and you can talk to the general anytime, and you can ask for reinforcements and all the things that you need. you got this direct line. But instead of being engaged in the battle, here you are on the walkie-talkie, and, and you're asking Jesus for a new bread maker or a house with stairs or a new car with a sunroof. And you're asking for all these kind of things. And and it's like God's on the other end going, hey, you know there's a war going on all around you. Don't you want to say something about the war? 
Isn't there something in this moment that is much more important than this stuff that you're lifting up? Do you see all the people around you without hope? Do you see all the people around you that are hungry? Do you see all the evil in the world? Would you like to talk to me about some of that stuff? Because I'd love to help you with the big stuff that's going on, but you just keep talking about all these little things. Uh, Scripture says, I will do, this is God, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. He says, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. He doesn't say, ask me for anything, I'm a genie, and I'll give it to you. He says, man, ask me for something of value, and I'll give it to you. I said this a bunch of times because it's such a good thing for me to remember. But it says, uh, do you want to guarantee that God will give you exactly what you want all the time? Because you can do that. Do you want to guarantee that God will give you exactly what you want all the time? All you've got to do is want what God wants and then ask for anything you want. And then God will give it to you. Uh, if you just align your wants with God's wants, you can ask for anything you want and God will give it to you 100% of the time. He says, want what God wants... And you can always have everything you want. Your prayer probably feels a little hollow because it's not grounded in what is the greatest thing? And what is the thing that God wants to do for people and in people's lives? And our prayer is usually centered on what is the best thing for me, not so much everybody else. What is the best thing for me, not so much what does God want to do through me? And you're absolutely right when you say, it seems like God doesn't answer my prayers. Because you're not really praying to God at all. You're just talking about yourself. And I'm guilty of this all the time. Okay, so that's, that's big stuff. Pray always. Pray with the right motives. Pray about everything. But still, how does prayer save the world? Here's what I'd say. Um, I told you guys this story a few times. So, so fall asleep if you've heard it, right? I'll tell you when to wake up. Um, but my... Um, When my mom and dad, they first met, they were in high school. My mom was 16, and uh, she got pregnant with my brother, and she was like a junior in high school or something. And uh, my dad was close to graduating, so he finished. My mom was not that close to graduating, so she dropped out. And um, so she was 17. My brother was born. They got married. She was 17, had the kid. They got married and um, had the kid. It was my brother. But anyway... um, so, and then they, uh, she dropped out of school. My dad went, he enrolled in, and uh, he went to college, but then he dropped out. Then he was in trade school. And then when he was 19, um, they got pregnant again. That was me. And uh, I'm always like, did you not know how babies were made? You know, there was a, but anyway, we won't get into that discussion. But so they get pregnant again. And, and so now they don't have enough money to go to school and do all those things. So my dad drops out of school. They move back closer to home. And so now they're in their early 20s, um, not involved in the life of the church, uh, early 20s, not involved in the life of the church, kind of away from family, two kids. As you can imagine, uh, if you've got two kids and everything else going right, that's enough to cause a little stress. And so they've got these two kids. They end up getting divorced. Uh, a few years later, they they get divorced. And so now they're two people in their early 20s um, with stinky jobs, low income, two kids, and divorced. Uh, sometime after that, and, and I don't know exactly how, how this went down, but my parents have told me that, that when they were married, they, they weren't believers. They didn't follow Jesus. 
later, um, someone shared the gospel with them. Someone shared the truth of the gospel with them. My mom becomes a Christian. Uh, a little bit later, somebody shares the gospel with my dad. He becomes a Christian. Uh, they begin to impress upon their children the importance of, of, of following Jesus. And then my brother does. And shortly thereafter, I become a follower of Jesus. Uh, my mom gets remarried. I have a little brother. He becomes a follower of Jesus. I have a little sister. She becomes a follower of Jesus. And I would say to you that that story is how God changes the world. And that is how God takes people from hopelessness and without purpose to a place of purpose and hope. You see, what happened was someone had the boldness to share the truth of the gospel, the greatest story ever told with my mom and dad. And they became believers. And then they had the boldness to share the gospel with my brother and me and my other brother and my sister, and then we became followers of Jesus. And so prayer changes the world because Paul says, pray for me that I would, have, that I would fearlessly declare the gospel. Prayer changes the world because it gave someone the fearlessness to share the gospel with my family. And prayer changes the world because it gave my parents the fearlessness to share the gospel with me. And not to just, not to just be nonchalant about it, but to, but to be absolutely about impressing on me and my brothers the importance of following Jesus. And if you think about it, and you think about some people that are close to you, and maybe they're at work, maybe they're a friend of yours, maybe it's your dad, maybe it's your mom, maybe it's somebody that you're not really sure if they know the depth of the story of Jesus, and you're not sure if they follow Jesus, and you begin to think, man, you know, I really want to have this conversation in a real way. Just like when, I, when you thought I was going to call on you to pray earlier, your heart is beginning to skip a beat, right? Because you're thinking, man, this is just... Even if I'm not scared to talk to them, I don't know what it's going to be like, and I don't know how they're going to take this, and this is not going to be an easy thing. And, and Paul says, look, it's not easy. And Paul shared the gospel maybe with more people than, than any of us combined ever will, and yet still he had to say, pray for me that I would fearlessly share the gospel. So my prayer for you today, those of you that are, that are Jesus followers, my prayer for you today is that you would be bold and that you would fearlessly share the gospel. And you would fearlessly share the story of, of how Jesus came and that he died for you, right? So that you could have new life. So that you could have joy in Jesus while you live. So that you could have hope in heaven when you die. Man, that is the story of Jesus. And I pray that you would have the boldness to share it. And that's how prayer changes the world. For those of you that would say, for any number of reasons, you know, I'm not sure if I'm following Jesus. I'm not sure if I want to do that. And for one reason or another, and you've got some great reasons as to why you do and you don't. But for those of you that are there, I just say with deep love and affection, and man, I, I so mean that. With deep love and affection, I just pray that you would change your mind. And, and I stepped up here and, and asked for boldness to share the truth that, that Jesus loves you and would love to give you a hope and a future in heaven. And I just pray that you would change your mind. I pray that God would impress upon you so much that you would not be able to resist that. 
one thing I'll say for sure is that a lot of people that I know, they're like, eh, you know, I'm not sure about that, you know, and, and really what it comes down to is, you know, I just have a lot of questions, and I'm not really sure if, if I'm down with all that or not. And, and the only thing I can say decidedly and, and without reservation is that the questions that you have about following Jesus, everybody in this room could tell you, man, I had the same questions. And to be honest with you, I'm still not certain of all the answers. But what I do know for sure is that God impressed it on my heart in such a way that it was very clear to me that I wanted to follow Jesus. And I still don't get it all, but I can tell you that was the best thing that God ever did for me. And having joy and hope and purpose and peace is the best thing that ever happened to me. Let me pray for you. God, I praise you for for this morning. And God, I praise you that... I just praise you for the opportunity to do what I'm doing right now. And just to, I don't have access to kings or presidents or the governor or, or any of those people, but God, I get the opportunity to come before you and pray the creator of the universe. And man, wow. And so God, I thank you for the ability to do this. And God, I praise you that in this moment, you've given me the, the boldness to tell the truth about Jesus, the truth that that without him, that your hope is your your hope in the future is uncertain, but with Jesus, you can know what happens when you live and you can know what happens when you die. And so I, I just praise you for that. And God, I pray that we would be people who would have the, the boldness and the fearlessness to to invite people to church and to share the gospel and to speak truth, knowing that it is the very best thing that could ever happen. So I praise you for that. Amen. Uh, no communion today, but Robbie's going to pray. 